In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from him. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Acts 3, 1 through 10. All right. I just wanted to uh, introduce our speaker today. We have Cody Harrison and his wife Macy with us. Um, Cody is one of the preachers at Walnut Street in Cary, and um, I'm just getting to know Cody myself. We've had uh, a couple meals together, but Macy is the daughter of my childhood best friend, who uh, a guy named James Council that I grew up with in Arkansas, and he lives uh, down in uh, Prattville, Alabama, near Montgomery now and so uh, I went to college with him and known him for years and um, my introduction to Cody basically was uh, Sheree ran across an article one day a couple years ago on uh, posted on some social media uh, platform Facebook or something and brought it to my attention it was an article that Cody had written and it was an article on race and the gospel basically and it was written during a really heated time in our culture and it was honestly one of the best things I've ever read, read personally. I've read a lot of stuff. Um, so maybe he's a one-hit wonder. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> I kind of doubt it because, it, you know, it showed, it showed a, a level of just the, the use of Scripture was, was really good. And, uh, you know, Paul says in Colossians that we're, we're to have speech seasoned with salt um, so that we might know how to answer each one. I just felt like he spoke into a moment with measure and grace but truth. God's truth, and I, I really appreciated that. So I'm like, I got to get to know that guy. Um, so he's moved our area, um, and we're, we're happy about that. So we uh, are excited to have Cody and Macy with us today, and so let's just give him our undivided attention for the next few minutes. Is somebody going to take the boom away, or should I turn it off? You got it, Randy? Thanks. So I'm going to uh, preemptively apologize to everybody who's in this section right here. Um, I know that you're back there. Uh, <laughs> I love you guys just as much as everybody else, but I'm a flawed man with a mortal body, and part of that mortal body is a brain that doesn't always remember things, so I know you're back there, and hopefully I remember to turn around a time or two, but please do not hold it against me if I, if I don't do that. So when I was about uh, 14 or 15 years old, one of my family chores, one of my family responsibilities was to make sure that the grass got cut. And it was, uh, it was normally about every other weekend that I had to make sure that that job got taken care of. But we also had this family rule where pretty much you couldn't have any fun on Saturdays until your task was taken care of for the week. So 
obviously that would give you a little more incentive to make sure that the job gets done. But there was one week in particular, I think it was, uh, I think it was on a Thursday, where my dad came to me and he was very concerned about the weather patterns that he was seeing for the weekend. Obviously, if it rains, that's going to make the job at best harder, especially when you're using the old push mower that I was using. Um, but sometimes, depending on how much rain there is, you can't get the job done at all. And so I think in light of all of that and in light of the rule that we had, my dad just wanted to make sure that, that I knew what was going on. But of course, of course, I was already one step ahead of him. I had already looked at the radar for the weekend and the radar was showing that the rain was supposed to come in uh, Saturday evening, uh, maybe Saturday night, possibly even over into Sunday morning. And so I had reasoned, well, well then that's not really going to affect my ability to cut the grass because I'm going to have all of this time before Saturday night where I can go ahead and do it. And so I told my dad that and um, for some reason he didn't go away. You know, I thought that was going to kind of seal the deal but instead he shared with me he's like Cody you know I've I've seen these types of weather patterns before you know sometimes that rain gets there earlier than the projection and uh and so he tells me this he's like well you know I think Cody I think you should cut the grass on Friday afternoon after school that way you don't even have to worry about the rain on Saturday and so, of course, I didn't say this out loud, but I was thinking, I was like, well, Dad, I want to play video games on Friday. So that's, that's not going to work with what I've got planned. But instead, instead, I, I did what I probably thought was, uh, was compromising. I said, you know what, Dad, here's what I'll do. I will just wake up early on Saturday, and I'll cut the grass in the morning. Because surely, if the radar is saying that the rain might even get here Sunday morning, there's no way that the rain is going to get there Saturday morning. And so I told him that, and I, I, think, I think disappointment is probably the place that my dad was at at that point. Um, he didn't actually say that, but instead he, uh, he shared his experience about how in the morning sometimes there was a lot of dew on the ground. And obviously dew, that's, that's water, so that's going to make the grass wet. It's going to have the same kind of effect as, as if it rained. He says, you know, sometimes early in the morning there's, there's a lot of dew on the ground. And so he told me that, and then... He also reminded me of the family rule that we had, and he kind of just, he put the ball in, into my court and said, you know, you, you do what you want with this. And of course, I was 14 and wise beyond my years, and I said, Dad, I got this. Uh, I like my plan. I think my plan for how to take care of this cutting of the grass, I think this is going to work. And so he kind of left me to, to my own vices. So the next morning, Saturday morning, I wake up, and it's, it's early. It's not too early to where you're going to be waking up neighbors or anything like that but it's early enough that the sun is up but it's also it's not too hot yet and so I'm thinking man my plan is coming together even better than I even imagined and so I go outside and in our shed where the lawnmower is it's around back and you have to kind of walk through a little bit of the grass in order to get there so as I'm walking through the grass I'm noticing there's a lot of dew on the ground right now I'm like man I think I think that's going to be a little tougher to cut and our backyard there was this huge hill and so water used to just sit at the bottom of the hill and that's the place you had to walk through in order to get to the shed and so I'm walking through and it's sloshing around and I'm just thinking this is going to be terrible and so I get the lawnmower and I start cutting and sure enough it's it's definitely a lot harder than it would have been had the ground been dry 
And as I'm going through, I've probably been about out there about 15 minutes longer than I normally would have, and I've done about half the work at this point, and I feel a raindrop. And then another one, and then another one. And wouldn't you know, it started raining. And now thankfully, it didn't rain so much that I couldn't complete the job, but obviously, it made it a lot tougher. So I don't even want to exaggerate just how long I was out there, but it was a very miserable experience. And so we normally had uh, breakfast together as a family on, uh, on Saturdays, and uh, I probably was a little too late for that, but my family, they, they waited around for me, and so I, I sit down after I, I change out of those, those wet clothes, I, I sit down, and my dad, being the, uh, the gracious and loving father that he is, he actually didn't say anything. Um, I think he thought that, hey, everything that this young man has been through this morning is probably enough to get the, get the message across. And so that story kind of stuck with me. And if, if there's one thing that I remember from that, one lesson that I could kind of take away, it's that I have the best ideas, right? If there is a good idea to be had, if there's a good plan to be pitched, I've got the corner on that market, right? I, I know everything. No, there's a reason why there's some chuckles, and there's a reason why my wife Macy's probably rolling her eyes right now, because that wasn't the takeaway, was it? No, the, the lesson that needed to be learned there is that, you know, sometimes I have this habit of just wanting to do things my way. You know, it, it doesn't even matter how good the plan is, how proven the plan is. It doesn't matter the uh, credentials of the person who's pitching the plan. It doesn't matter how much that person loves me and has my best interest at heart. Sometimes I think I know better and I just want to do things my way. And obviously that's not a good trait. But as I got older, as I became an adult and I started interacting with other adults, another thing I kind of noticed is that um, I don't think that's a Cody exclusive problem, right? I don't think I'm the only one who, who kind of has that habit. That's kind of just a human thing, right? Humans have this tendency to, to develop our own plans for things, even though there is a proven method that works, right? We have adages to try to kind of curb that behavior a little bit. You know, don't reinvent the wheel. If it ain't broke, what? You don't fix it, right? There is a reason why everybody here knows that, and like 80% of humans know that, is because humans have a tendency to try to fix things that are not broken. And it's not just humans, right? We don't need to think about it in like a theoretical. It's me, and it's you. Like, we have this very same tendency. You know, we do this a lot with, uh, with physical things. You know, maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's directions, Right? You're, you're supposed to go somewhere, and you, maybe you've been there before, or maybe you've been in that neck of the woods, and you, you kind of have an idea of how to get there, but you're not really confident enough to just go out and just, just go drive there. So what do you do? You take out your phone, you pull up your GPS, you plug in the address, and sometimes, though, sometimes when those directions come up, don't we look at it and say, ah, this isn't the way to go, right? <laughs> I did this the other day, actually. There's a much better way to get to that place. And so we ignore the directions, and then guess what happens? Now we're 30 minutes late. Yeah. 
or 30 minutes late to, to where we were supposed to be. You know, maybe, maybe there was this turn where you were supposed to go left, and you were pretty sure you're supposed to go right. So you go right, and it's about 15 minutes down, and you're like, ooh, now you got to make a U-turn. Now, now you're 30 minutes late. But maybe you're here and you, you really love your GPS, so maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's, like a, maybe it's like a recipe, right? You're pretty adept in the kitchen. Um, you kind of know what's going on, and there's, but there's this dish, and you never actually made it before, but maybe you've made something like it, and so you're like, I, I'm not really confident. So, so you go on Google, you pull up this recipe, and you're following the recipe, and then you get to something, you're like, mm, I, I think I need to use something else. Now dinner's ruined, right? Does, doesn't that happen sometimes? Don't, don't we do things like that? And so when we do that with, uh, with physical things, just, just the things that happen to us day by day, um, it's still probably not a good thing, but, but I think the potential for damage, generally speaking in those situations, it's, it's normally pretty low in, in the grand scheme of things. Sure, with the recipe, now there's a meal that's been ruined and Sure, that's not a good thing, but there's probably going to be another meal, right? At some point, there, there's going to be another meal. Um, maybe with the uh, directions, maybe you were actually late to something that was kind of important. Um, maybe now you have to expend some personal credit in order to kind of make up for being late to something. So maybe sometimes with directions, maybe, maybe it's a little bit higher there. But in general, like we can, we can move past those things, right? Those things aren't usually going to be kind of end-all, be-all, but... But my question for you this morning is, what if we were to do that with spiritual things? Do you think the potential for damage would be a lot higher? If, if God were to say, hey, this is the way that you need to do this, and we were to look at his plan and say, mm, I think I'm going to try this. Don't you think that the potential for damage will be a lot higher in that situation? I, I think it would be. I think... I think from time to time, we, when we do those things, we have to spend our whole lives trying to undo some of the things we've done because we have deviated from God's plan. Sometimes we're actually able to influence others to not follow God's plan either. And sometimes we create cultures that impact churches, they impact congregations. And so sometimes the ramifications behind actually deviating from God's word, sometimes it actually lasts even past our, our own lifetimes, and, and maybe even most unfortunately, most unfortunately, sometimes we can even impact somebody's eternity as well, and so when we give in to that bad habit, and we look at God's plan for things, and, and we decide to do something different, the potential there is great, and, and the reason I know this is because that's, that's kind of like the, the Bible story, right? The Bible is full of stories of God saying, hey, mankind, this is the way that you need to do it. And from time to time, man looks and says, you know, I'm going to try it this way. I think back in the very beginning, it's Adam and Eve, and God tells them, do not eat of the tree. That, that's his plan for mankind moving forward. And sure, Adam and Eve, they have some help getting to this conclusion, but overall, they say, you know what? I hear you. But this is the way that I want to go about this. And boom, as a result of that, literally every bad thing that's ever happened comes as a result of that. My favorite example is in 2 Kings chapter 5. It's, it's Naaman. Naaman has, he has leprosy. It's this, this terrible disease. And obviously 
he doesn't want that anymore. He wants to be cleansed of this leprosy. So God, through the prophet Elisha, tells him, hey, you need to go dip in the Jordan. And what does Naaman say? He's like, the Jordan River? That dirty water? It, if all I need to do to be cleansed is get wet, we got water back home. It's way better. And what happens in that story? Naaman is not cleansed. He is not healed. Naaman does not achieve the goal that he's looking for until he does things God's way. And so, and so I think we need to come to the conclusion that, that our plans will never be better than God's plans. It doesn't matter how smart we are, how experienced we are, how wealthy we are. It doesn't matter what our mentors or our favorite spiritual leaders say. It doesn't even matter how much time and effort we put into our plans. Our plans will never be better than God's plans. Can we all come to that realization today? Do we all, do we all agree, agree with that? And so I, I want us to take that. I want us to understand that that God's plans are, are better than ours, and also understand that sometimes we have this tendency to, to deviate from, from proven plans. It's not even always malicious, but, but sometimes, from time to time, we deviate from God's plans. And so, Monty, I don't think my clicker's working. Yeah, you might want to turn it on, right? That'll probably... Appreciate you, Daniel. Um, but I want us to take all that and, and, and think about this, lighting up your world. Do you ever think about how you're actually supposed to, to carry this, this command out? Do you ever sit and think about how to share the gospel with a, a lost and, and dying world? I think most of, us, most of us think about things like that, right? Most of us take at least some time to think about, hey, how am I supposed to actually be a light? How am I supposed to actually impact the people around me? And I, I think that's a really good thing. I think if there's someone here today who is thinking of ideas, thinking of ways to let their light shine, I think you really need to keep doing that. And, and if there's someone here who, who doesn't think about those things, who, who isn't thinking about how to, how to save lost souls, you really need to start. Right? You really need to start thinking about those things because, again, we're, we're a sent people, right? We were sent out in order to carry out Jesus' mission, which involves seeking and saving the lost, involves me influencing the people that are around me. So we have to be thinking of, of ways to carry this out. But I want you to think about, think about what kinds of ideas you have as far as carrying this, this out. I'll, I'll share with you a couple that, that I have and a couple that, uh, that maybe are mentioned to me from time to time. I think I think churches kind of go through fads with how to actually accomplish this. When I was growing up, it was the, the correspondence, right? And yeah, there are people chuckling because you know, you know what I'm talking about. That's, that's the way that we're going to let our light shine or the, um, the Bible tracks. That's, that is the way that we're going to let our light shine. Nowadays, um, I think and I, I hear things about like four-part evangelism courses. It's, it's this four-lesson thing where you just give it to somebody and they are able to read through it. And, and you should probably study with them. But uh, at the end of that four-part thing, boom, they got it. You know what I'm saying? They know everything that they need to know, and it's going to be just this, this awesome thing moving forward. Um, I think about events. 
right? Like if, if my congregation can have enough events to, to get people in here, then, then they'll figure out, hey, look, like I love Jesus now, right? Like it's the events. That's, that's what's going to get people. Um, sometimes uh, it's the website, right? We got to make sure we have a banging website, right? The website's got to be user-friendly. That way when people get on, they can actually find the stuff that they're looking for. We've got to have the right content on there too. That way people can, when they're navigating, they actually are getting some substance. Um, sometimes people just say, look, we need a new preacher, right? Like if we had a preacher who was preaching better sermon, maybe was a little more eloquent than, and I know you guys have never said anything like that, but, but it, if we had that kind of preacher, then people would just be flocking here, right? People would love to be around God's people because we would have this preacher. And sometimes it's not even necessarily about replacing the current preacher. Sometimes they're like, hey, well, if we just had another preacher, now we would have two guys to be able to go out and, and do the work. And so those are the kinds of things that I think about, the kinds of things that are, uh, are mentioned to me. And, and I do want to say that, that all of these things can be extremely helpful. All of these things really can, they can help us accomplish this right here. But I want us to think about uh, Jesus' actual plan for lighting up the world. Because Jesus actually does tell us in Matthew chapter 5 how we are to light up our world. What does he say here in, in verse 16? It's, it's in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so Jesus says, if you want to light up your world, if you want to impact and influence the people around you, you need to be doing good works. And so how does what you were thinking about compare with that? Where is the emphasis on the ideas that you have? Where is the emphasis there? Is it, is it on good works or is it maybe on, on something else? Because surely you can see the, the template that Jesus lists here. He says it's good works and then, oh man, you guys got a sneak peek. Glory to God. That's that's the template that Jesus lays out. And so I don't want anyone here to stop thinking about ways to help. Because, again, you, you need to keep thinking about those things. And, and I definitely don't want anybody here thinking, well, I've been thinking about the website a little bit too much lately. And now I'm not getting in those pearly gates, right? That's, <laughs> that's not what we're saying here this morning. But, but what I am saying is whatever ideas we have, whatever plans we have for lighting up our world, it has to be rooted in this plan right here. It has to be rooted in good works because that's the template. That's, that's Jesus' plan. In order to light up your world, he wants you out there doing good works and glory to the Father is going to come as a result. That's, that's the plan. And you've already seen, uh, maybe, maybe you'll forget about it by the time we get there, but there are two other things that uh, kind of naturally happen when you are consistently doing this. There are two other things that, that I think will naturally happen. I kind of, I like to think of these things as assistance. There are some things that Bible people do in order to kind of maybe prop up this process. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But, but again, this, this is the template. As we do good works, 
glory to God, people coming to know Jesus, people coming to know God, that is going to be the result. And so thankfully, thankfully this, uh, this term good works here, it's a really, really broad term, right? Jesus, he could have he simplified that. He could have said, you know, that they may see you have five Bible studies this week and glorify your Father in heaven. He could have said that, uh, that they may see you give $10,000 to the poor this week and give glory to your Father in heaven. He could have said those things, but he didn't. He just said it's it's good works. Now, both of those things are good works, right? Like if, if you actually have the time to have five Bible studies this week, if you have five times this week where people can see that you value God's word, that you care about what the Lord has to say, then I think you need to go ahead and do that because a lot of good can come from that. And, and maybe you are in a situation where you can give $10,000 to the poor this week. If, if you have that ability, then, then do that because those, those are good works. But Mark chapter 14 is the, uh, probably the best example that kind of shows how broad this category is. Um, there, it's, uh, it's, I think we find out that it's Mary a little bit later, but Mary, she's there, she's washing Jesus' feet. She is anointing his head with oil, and people, they, they don't like that. They, they take offense to it. They say, hey, you could have been doing something else with this. Well, well, what does Jesus say there? He says, leave her alone, for she's done unto me a good deed. And so Mary, just by washing Jesus' feet, by serving, Jesus says that's a good deed. That's a good work. And so you, this week, by serving someone, that can be your good work for the week. But simply put, good works, they, those are just the things that we do, the things that I do as a direct result of my relationship with Jesus. That's what good works are. You know, Jesus tells me that I need to love my enemy. And so as I do things that demonstrate that I am actually loving my enemy, as I'm forgiving them, as I'm doing good things for them, those are good works. All the things that I do there, those are good works. And so people can see that and they have an opportunity to give glory to our Father in heaven. And so, and so you can see the value here in good works if if I'm trying to build churches, if I'm trying to create disciples and get people to love Jesus, if my plan does not start with me doing good works, then that means I've missed the mark. And the same would be true for you as well. We must stick to God's plan, which is anchored in you and I getting out and doing good works to for and around the people that are normally around us. That's the plan there. It's, Jesus says it's good works and then glory to God comes as a result. But one thing that I think is just, uh, just awesome about this whole thing, because this looks, this looks pretty simple, but, but Jesus, he doesn't just tell us this, right? Like, it would be one thing if Jesus just said, you know, theoretically, if you do good works, then, then people, they might, they might give glory to God. If he just said it, then maybe we might be able to poke some holes in that, right? Like, well, Jesus, what if they don't? Or what if I'm not able to? But we don't serve a king like that. We don't serve a king that just says, hey, this is what it is, and y'all got to figure it out. We serve a king who shows us. We serve a king who lived this out while he was here. If you think about it, Jesus is going to follow this exact template for the remainder of of his ministry. Jesus is going to go around 
doing good works and people are going to see that and they are going to glorify God. I'm thinking about things like in, uh, in oops, dropped my mic. I'm thinking about in, in Luke chapter seven with the, uh, the widow of Nain, uh, the widow, she's, she's a widow, so she's lost her husband, but she's also just lost her son. And so Jesus sees her. He sees what's going on here. And Luke tells us that he looks on her with compassion. Jesus has compassion on this woman and he, he heals her son. He raises her son from the dead. And so Jesus does a good work for her. And what's the result of, of everything that, that happens there in Luke 7? People are giving glory to God. People are praising God because they've seen this good work that happens. And so Jesus, he doesn't just tell us, hey, guys, if you do good works, you know, glory to God might happen. No, he shows us that through his life. But, but he also shows us that through the people that follow after him as well. Jesus' followers, specifically, I'm thinking about his apostles this morning, they follow this exact plan as well. And so look over in Acts chapter 3. Look in, uh, look in Acts chapter 3. I, I appreciate Greg reading that for us, um, but because he's read it, I'm not going to go ahead and read through the whole thing again, but it's uh, Acts chapter 3, and it, it's verses 1 through 10. Here, here, Peter and John, again, followers of Jesus, people who, who heard that they needed to light up their world, and this, this is what they did as a result of that. Peter and John here, it says that they, they heal the lame beggar. And so I want to submit to you this morning that while there is a lot going on here in this account, Peter and John do a good work for this lame beggar. Peter and John heal this man really as a byproduct of their relationship with Jesus. I want you to think about this, this man's situation. It says he's a, he's a lame beggar. He's lame. That means he, he can't walk. So he has to rely on people to kind of carry him around wherever it is that, that he wants to go. And and I think because we're in such a, a mobile and such a transient time, it's, it's really hard for us to grasp that. that. This man, he had to rely on people just to get from point A to point B. For me, if I want to go somewhere, I just get in my car and I just I go do whatever it is I need to do. If my car's not working, I get in my wife's car and I go do what I need to do. In the off chance that neither of those things are available, I call an Uber and it takes me to where I need to go. This man wouldn't have even been able to walk to the Uber if Ubers existed back then. You know, th this man has to rely on people for everything. He has to rely on them to carry him to this beautiful gate where he can beg for other people. So he has to have people bring him. He is dependent on people to bring him to the place where he's going to go depend on other people. And that's this man's life. And Luke records for us that this man has been lame since his mother's womb. So not only is this situation kind of hopeless right now, it's always been that way. This man's never known what hope feels like. And, and I kind of gather just based on his demeanor when he walks up and he, he meets the apostles, this man has no reason to think that things are ever going to be any better than this. So this man is hopeless. He's always been like that. He will always be like this and, until something changes. So that's the situation that this man is in that Peter and John come to. And so I, I submit to you this morning that really anything that they would have been able to do for him would have been a good work. Peter actually says, hey, look, we don't, we don't have any money to give to you. That's, that's what the beggar was looking for. We don't, we don't have any money. But I, if, 
if they were able to give him money, if they did have money, that would be charity. So that, that would be a good work as well. So glory to God could have come from that. But of course, we know that the, the story ends up with Peter and John healing this man. And so they do a good work. And if all that wasn't enough to convince you, that's the exact way that Peter describes it in chapter four in verse four. He says, if we're on trial for doing a good work, for doing a good deed to this man, that's, that's the way that he was thinking about this whole situation, that he is here and he is doing a good work. And so, and so Peter and John, yes, they work through the spirit and, and they are able to heal this man. And that's, that's a huge part of the story. And we, we can't just neglect that. But but this is an act of love as well. This is an act of compassion, kind of in the same way that, that Luke chapter 7 was. It's, it's reminiscent to that. And so, so them acting on this love, that is a good work. And so as a result of this good work that is done to them, what's the result? What is, what is the now not lame man doing? He's praising God. They do a good work and praise or glory to God is a result. It says that this man is leaping, which is always my favorite little part of the story. This man who's never walked before. He's jumping. He's leaping. That's how excited he is now. And he's praising God. So much so that the people around him start to notice, like, hey, what's, what's going on over there? That guy, he's, he's praising God now. And so do you see how simple Jesus' plan is? Good works. Glory to God. And you see how effective Jesus' plan really is? All it takes is, is a, uh, a spirit-filled person doing a good work. And glory to God comes as a result. And so someone might say, well, well, Cody, I, I can't do that because I can't do miracles. But I would say that's not the point. Do you think that there are other spirit-filled things that you can do for the people around you? You know, I'm thinking specifically of the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians 5. Do you think you can be loving? Do you think you can be joyful and peaceful and, and patient and kind? Do you think you can do those types of things for people around you this week? Because I think so. And, and do you think that when people notice you doing those things, you think that they notice and they kind of really take note, hey, there's something different going on here. When you're really kind around your workplace, don't people notice that? When people see how, how Monty treats, treats his wife, don't do they say, hey, wow, like, he's, he's so loving, right? He's awesome. He's so loving to his wife. Monty's cool, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I... <laughs> Cherie, yes, yes, I, I remembered your name, but I always, I say it wrong, because I know a couple of Cherries, Cherie's, and Sherry's, and I just didn't want to say the wrong one. And he's loving to his mom, too, exactly, exactly. But I think, I think Monty would even tell you that the reason he has this love for his wife and for his mom, it's, it's because of his relationship with Jesus. That's why he's like that, and so people are going to notice that. You know, when, when you're patient with the, the waitress, Right, you know, your, your order has been messed up like three, four times. Everything's slow. One time it came out, it was just nasty. One time it came out, it was cold. They took it back, and this time it's like, I didn't even order this. Right, like, when you're patient in those situations, 
what does the waitress like always say? Thank you for your patience, right? They notice that because it's not normally like that. Now, they may not know right in that moment why it is that you're like this, but you do. So go ahead and share that. And so we need to be out doing good works. I really think there could be someone around you this week who is one good work away from praising God, and you need to give them that chance. Put the ball in their court. You know, I'm not saying that if, if you do a good work this week, then like, you know, 500 people are going to flock here next Sunday, right? I don't even know that that's really the right kind of metric for those types of things anyway, but uh, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that if you do one good work that, that automatically, like all these people are just going to come to this knowledge and this love of Jesus, but, but I am saying that God's way works. And if we were consistently demonstrating Christ and his spirit in us day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, we will see results. We will be that city set on a hill. We will light up our world. It's good works and glory to the Father. And so remember, I mentioned that there are some other things that kind of assist in this process, right? There are things um, in this very account here in, in Acts chapters 3 and 4, there are things that Peter and John do there that I, I think they actually increase their odds of success. They actually help people kind of get from this good works place to actually give glory to their Father. And, and these things that they do, they are available to us as well. When we deploy these different things, we actually improve our odds of, of people giving glory to God. And, and isn't that what we want anyway? Isn't that why we think of the other ideas, right? We want it to help this process. Well, Peter and John, they do something here, and this is a proven method to help facilitate our good works and facilitate people coming to this glory of God. The first thing that they do is they simply, they just, they talk about Jesus. You know, as a result of, of the, uh, the miracle that happens here, as a result of the good work, the, the man who was healed, he's praising God. But I get the feeling that everyone around, they thought it was awesome what had happened. They thought that this was amazing. But they didn't know exactly where to put that amazement. They didn't know where to give that glory. They were like, hey, I mean, this is really cool, but what do we do with this? In fact, at one point, they're looking at Peter and John. They're thinking that they're the awesome ones. Look, look at uh, verses 12 and 13. Look at what Peter says to them. Uh, when Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Sometimes people need a little bit of help giving glory to God. Again, sometimes people might see you and think, hey, you're like this because you're just awesome, right? You're loving, you're kind because you're just this awesome person. You've got an opportunity to give glory to the Father. You know, why do you stare at me like I'm doing this by my own power? I'm like this because I serve Jesus. And you can be like that too if you commit your life to Jesus. 
Those are real things that we can actually say this week to, to help people come to this glory of God. So maybe as you're doing your good works, you know, this week or this month, maybe you just need to be a little more vocal about the king that you serve, the reason that you do these things. When we talk about Jesus, we help people give glory to God. So that's, that's one thing that they do to kind of assist them. But the other thing that they do is actually they just pray. Peter and John actually get in a lot of trouble for this good work here. Um, they end up getting beaten up. They get thrown into prison. Then they get out. Then they get threatened. Right? So, so sometimes this glorification process, um, sometimes it does not go super smoothly. Right? And we, we understand the, uh, the reality of that. Sometimes when we do good for people, sometimes they don't receive it very well. And so acknowledging that, once, once we understand that, it's really easy to kind of shrivel up out of fear, right? It's, it's really easy to understand like, hey man, like people aren't gonna really like me doing this. And it's easy to kind of form this discipleship or this Christianity that's just really all to ourselves. And we just decided, well, we're not gonna impact other people. We're not going to influence others. We're not going to do good things for other people. It's, it's really easy to, to live that way. But when Peter and John were in this same scenario, I want you to look at what they do here in, in verse 29 uh, of chapter 4. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. They say, keep it coming. Just give me boldness. Strengthen me to be able to get through these situations. And so when we're surrounded by people who, who don't want what's best for us, when we are surrounded by people who either don't like that we're doing good works or definitely don't like that we're talking about Jesus, how about praying to God about it? How about praying that he gives the increase? The one who can actually like, change hearts how about how about praying to him how about talking to the one who can actually do something about all this so maybe we just need to pray more maybe if we prayed more maybe we would see even more good coming when we start trying to be a, a light to our world and so that's the plan there we do good works and glory to our our father as a result you okay ma'am Okay. As we do good works and we give glory to our Father in heaven, sure you okay, ma'am? Okay. Sometimes we're going to have to talk about Jesus. Sometimes we're going to have to pray about it. But these are the kinds of things that we need to do in order to assist ourselves to kind of boost ourselves up to make sure that we are going out and lighting up our world in the way that we're supposed to. And so let me finish up the, uh, the grass cutting story. Um, yeah, there's actually more to that. Um, it really did rain like almost that entire day. Uh, and so it wasn't until the next day, it wasn't until that Sunday that the, the rain stopped. And so we, we got home from church that day and uh, again, the sun is out, so now you can actually see the grass. Um, 
yeah, the lawn was a mess. Um, there were some patches that just didn't get cut because, you know, when you're cutting through grass that's, uh, that's wet, it kind of just clumps up in certain places. So you're like, hey, did I, did I really cut that? And then you get to the point where you don't even look, right? You don't even care if you really cut it. And so, so the, there were places that were just, uh, overall, I think it was just, just uneven. And so I ended up having to redo it on that Monday. So I already had that like real terrible experience and now I gotta kinda go through that all, uh, all over again. And so because I didn't do things the way that my father wanted me to, it was much harder and the finished product was a lot worse. And I think that's exactly what can happen to us when we circumvent this process. You know, we may not realize it, but when we deviate from this, when, when our ideas aren't kind of built on this foundation, it's a lot harder on us. Because now I've got to have the best website, right? Which means I've got to be the most creative person, like kind of like ever, right? I've got to have all of the right events. I've got to have the right amount of events. Um, I've got to have the right kinds of events. I've got to really know like who's kind of around me in my area to make sure that I have things that are tailored to them. So I kind of have to be like really, really smart, right? And really, really aware of what's going on. Doing good work is a lot easier than that. And again, we may not realize it, but I, I think that the finished product when again we deviate from this again is a lot worse right like when it comes to like events or or programs you know when people only come here for those types of things what happens when they enter a different phase of life right they don't need the uh the little kid class anymore or the the new couples thing or they don't they don't need those things anymore now they're like i don't really have any use for this anymore because they weren't committed to Jesus, they were committed to what we could do for them. It's the same thing with the preacher. When, when people are only going somewhere because, hey, they got this awesome preacher, what if he's got to move away? Or what if, like, his message changes and, like, he starts kind of preaching different and, like, frankly, they just don't like it? Now they're gone. Well, this way commits people to Jesus. And so I think it's a much better method, in fact, I know it's a much better method because, because God's way works. And so let's let our, sh our light shine this way, in this way that Jesus wants us to. Let's, let's do these good works. Let's like bear the fruit of the Spirit with the people around us. Let's speak on the wonderful name of Jesus. Let's pray to our Father in heaven to give the increase and to give glory to God. And so maybe there's someone here today who, uh, who hasn't been baptized. They have not committed themselves to Jesus. They haven't committed themselves to this, this walk with Christ. You know, I, I love preaching to other congregations because I can always say that in, like, really good faith because I don't, I don't know everybody's, like, place here, right? And so if there's someone here today who, who hasn't decided to make that commitment, as I said earlier, you really should. This is the best way to live your life. It's what's best for you. It's what's best for the people around you. So you can, you can commit your life to Jesus today. And I'm sure that there are people here who are going to take wonderful care of you, take wonderful care of your discipleship, not just now, but for the foreseeable 
future as well. And, and maybe there's someone who isn't quite in that spot. Maybe, uh, maybe you just have questions. We talked about that a little bit ago. You should have questions, right? Because this, this is a big deal. Committing your life to Jesus is a big deal. So, so you should have questions. You know, Jesus tells us, count the cost. Make sure you understand kind of what, what's going on here. Well, again, I know there's people here who would love to have those conversations with you. They want to have them now. They want to set up times to have them with you in the future. If you've got more questions, there are people here who want to take care of you and want to take care of your soul. You should take advantage of that. And so if there's anyone here who is in one of those spots, if you have any kind of needs, please make them known as we uh, sing our invitation song.